Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. So week three of Summer of Stories, week three of the parables that Jesus told in order to teach the kingdom of God, right? I believe that Jesus told these stories because, well, people like stories, right? He tells the stories because he's gathering a crowd and people are really attracted to these stories. And I think he tells stories because people remember stories and are able to pass those stories down. I think he tells stories because, get this, Jesus is not trying to teach information He's trying to teach for transformation, okay? This isn't just about giving some information to the people. He's trying to teach for transformation purposes, and so stories often do that, right? And so the first week we talked about the parable of the sowers, and this was pretty simple. It was about our need to prepare our lives in a way that his teaching can land, grow, transform our lives, okay? And so what's on us, the life application, is we've got to do the work to remove things that are not supposed to, they don't belong in our lives, and the things that maybe aren't healthy for us. We're supposed to do the work that creates a space in our lives for as he scatters the truth that will change our lives. And then, and then the second week we talked about the parable of the unforgiving servant, right? That was last week. Simple. Through Jesus, our sin debt is paid for. Simple. Our sin debt is paid for. This should change our lives. And one of the biggest ways it changes our lives is we no longer just sit in forgiveness, but we give forgiveness, okay? We're not going to be the people that live in forgiveness, but then don't give it with the same abundance. We're going to grow in this. And that's what Jesus wanted to teach them, that this is how the kingdom of God works, which leads us to our third summer story. So grab your Bibles, grab your phones, whatever you use. Um, We're going to go Luke chapter 11 today. We're going to go Luke chapter 11, a strong parable that Jesus taught. If you need a Bible in the room, you've always got the Bibles under the seats. You can always grab those. But can I read our third summer story, the next parable, Luke chapter 11. Verse 1, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And then lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship... Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks the door will be opened. Because which of you fathers, if if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, so... Some of you know this part of Amber's in my life, and some of you don't. Some of you have been here a while, so we have so many new people. I want to share a part of Amber, my wife, in, in our lives. Out of high school, Amber decided to go to Southern Wesleyan University in upstate South Carolina. Out of high school, I decided to go to Indiana Wesleyan University, obviously in Indiana. Now, at this point, we don't know each other at all. Now... Take a couple years, and we're in the year 2000. While uh, attending our respective schools, Amber and I are both chosen to represent our schools to travel in the summer throughout the country for summer camps, okay? We, they would send students to summer camps, try to make a connection, and hopefully the connection is good enough to get those kids to go to school, right? So that's what we're doing well. In the summer of 2000, Amber and I, by chance, ended up in a camp in the middle of the state of New York. Now, this was Amber's first opportunity to have her life changed forever by meeting me. (laughs) Amen. Amen. In hindsight, that was probably the exact mindset that I have that didn't allow our first encounter to go so well. See, throughout the week, Amber had this really odd idea that this boy named Scott was full of himself. She had this odd idea that I wanted her and everyone else's attention, and she wasn't interested in giving that attention. See, in the year 2000, Amber's discernment level wasn't as high as it is today, right? So she has these ideas of me. So I think back to the year 2000, and that didn't exactly make the match made in heaven for Scott and Amber, but that's okay, because the year 2001 came, right? And Amber is once again traveling for her school. I am now an intern at a church in Indiana. Well, in July, we were both attending a camp as God would have it, and our lives were going to intersect again. And, my, uh, um, and we pull up to this camp, and we get out of the vehicle, and across the open area, I see this girl that I met last summer. And she's talking to my friends that happen to be at the camp, too, from my college. So you know what I did? I walk up to her, and I say, hey, I'm Scott. You may not remember me from last year, but I think I may have given you a wrong impression. I was going through some things and, you know, maybe didn't represent myself well, and I'd like to make that up to you. Real mature-like, right? Like, you can picture this. I've matured in a year. The only problem with that is what I actually did didn't come close to that, all right? I did see her across the camera, and I walk up, and she's talking to my friends, and I obnoxiously speak around her, all right? Like, I speak over her, talking to my friends, also while, you know what I'm trying to do to get noticed. Like, I was a punk, okay? Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm a little less of a punk today, so imagine me back then. And I think back to that story, and here's what I want to tell you, both times that I met Amber, In reality, I wanted to be known, and I wanted to connect with her. 
But how I went about it was so unhealthy. You know, like, like I talked. I know I had talked to girls before. And I had some semblance of success, I guess. But it may have been my arrogance. It may have been just stupidity. It's just his lack of understanding. Whatever it was, from the beginning, Amber and I lacked in our engagement, our connection, our relationship, in any significant way. We just didn't click. Now, I don't make fun of myself on purpose. I, the reason I'm telling you this is because I think there's some of what's going on in Luke, what went on with Amber and I. And it will make sense as we continue on today. See, a relationship with God is needed, but sometimes we just don't know how to go about it. There's so much potential there, but for many, we can't figure out how to walk this with God. And so Luke is like, I want to help you with this. I want to walk through this with you. And so he starts out by telling us and giving us a picture of Jesus when he says, one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now, stop there for a second. This is, if you read prior to, this is the fifth time that Luke is bringing up that Jesus spent a bunch of intentional time praying. This is the fifth time he brings up this point I think he's trying to make is that prayer was really important to Jesus. Now, the disciples witnessed this over and over, right? Like Luke talked about it five times, but you know what? It was, it was more than that. He's only giving so much of the story. And the disciples would have seen this. So one day, after he's done praying, they ask a powerful question, a question that I think is going to change their life. They ask for something. They say, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to, to pray. And this is a really interesting ask, maybe beyond the obvious reasons. You see, the disciples, they would have known how to pray. The disciples, their whole life probably had been reciting prayers. They had probably prayed up to that point today, that day that they asked Jesus. To be a Jewish boy, or now a man, meant you had memorized and you had recited prayers all of your life. And so this question didn't come from an immature place. Well, it didn't come from a like beginner's place. It didn't come from a place of being novice at this. It came from a deeper place. And this question grabs my attention because I think that I feel and think maybe what the disciples were feeling and thinking that day. And maybe you do too because you know about prayer, right? You know about prayer. And, and you probably know you should pray, right? And you've probably attempted prayers or maybe you try to pray all the time. But isn't prayer sometimes confusing? Maybe a better word would be sometimes is it mysterious? Sometimes does it feel like it eludes you in life how you're supposed to do it? I mean, I pray often, but do you know the moments are not few and far between where I feel elementary in, in, in my knowledge of totally how I'm supposed to and why I'm supposed to do this? And that's kind of the odd part of the message today. I'm not going to speak from a total place of, what can I say, confidence? Like a total place of surety. I know exactly how this works. I mean, I pray. I'm passionate about prayer. 
But sometimes I just wonder, is there more to it? Because I often feel like I should ask the same question. Jesus, teach me how to pray. There has to be more. Because what I believe what the disciples are seeing is something's different in the way Jesus prays compared to what they were brought up in. Something is different in the way they pray because Jesus is a lot more connected to and passionate about prayer. I believe they asked this question because there was something more that they needed to experience. They just hadn't experienced it yet. So Jesus, teach us. There's something more. Now, Jesus, he wasn't resistant to teaching, obviously. Like, he wants to give this to him. And I think what he wants to do is pass down two main points. What I think Jesus is going to do is he's going to teach them not only the how, but the what behind prayer. I think what we see in this parable is not just is teaching them not only the how to pray, but the why to pray behind it. Now, this summer we're talking about parables, so I'm not going to deep dive into the first part, the, the how, the, the words, the, the Lord's Prayer as we know it. But we can't just skip over it, can we? Like Jesus gives them the words to pray. We can't just skip over that, right? So, so I want to look at how Jesus starts teaching them about prayer. He says in verse 2, when you pray, say Father. Now we've got to stop there again. When you pray, say, Father, because this concept is probably not foreign to you, right? If you've been brought up in the church at all, or or maybe just been around the reciting of the Lord's Prayer, you know it starts with Father. But did you also know that in the 39 books of the Old Testament, God is referred to by Father only 15 times? In the Old Testament, he's only referred to Father 15 times, and none of them are connected to prayer, Now we fast forward to the New Testament. We fast forward to Jesus. Now Jesus has come and Jesus is changing everything. Jesus is trying to teach them the kingdom of God, right? Now Jesus is going to teach them something that's going to change everything about prayer. Because in the New Testament, God is referred to as Father 165 times. Old Testament is how many? 15, right? New Testament, 165 times. And now Jesus is connecting the word Father to prayer. And in this moment, prayer got a whole lot more personal than probably the disciples had grown up in. Remember, the disciples knew about prayer. They recited prayer. But Jesus is going to change how prayer operates in their lives. It's what I think happens. I think Jesus wants prayers to God changed from being real but distant to being real and intimate. What I think is happening, Jesus wants to change the prayer so when you pray to God, it's it's, it's not just real but distant. He wants it to be real and intimate, intimate like a loving, good father. And so then he gives them bullet points. He's like, hey, if you want to know how to pray, maybe you want help to walk through this because prayer can be that way, then, then, then this is how I want you to pray. And so I kind of bullet point these for you as well. You know that, if you know that prayer, he kind of runs through them. And here's what I think he's doing. He's saying, hey, always put God in the seat of honor and authority. This is how you pray. At the beginning, always put God in the seat of honor and authority. Secondly, always desire God's plan to be seen on earth. Pray for that. God, your plan on earth be seen. Always recognize that we need God every day for everything. Can you see these in the Lord's Prayer? The, the fourth, always 
humble ourselves to receive and give forgiveness. That's kind of a thing for last week, right? Bring it in this week. And the last one is always ask God to set the direction of our lives. God, lead us. Set the direction. These are kind of bullet points. God is trying to change how we pray. Here's a rhythm. Here's some words. Here's how we can walk through prayer. And this could be your rhythm through prayer. You're wondering, how do we walk through prayer? This could be a, a rhythm you could go through it that I think God is telling them that these are the mindsets that you can have. These are the words that you can have for healthy prayers as you come to God as your Father. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He wants to push us beyond to the why behind prayer. And this is what I think is so important. I think many of you grew up with the how. Here's what Jesus said, the how. But I think what we've struggled with is maybe the why. Why is this so important? When I come to Jesus and pray, why is it important to view him in the correct way? What is going on and how can I really connect with God in a different way? Why do I need to do this? And so he gives the parable. Can I read the parable again to you? So then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked. And my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Okay, now... As always in this room, what do I tell you? We've got to leave our context and go into their context. We have to hear the story like the audience of that day would have heard the story. And it may seem odd in our context, but it wasn't odd for them, uncommon for them, to have someone show up at their house late at night. Picture this. It's so hot during the day. I mean, it is so hot. So traveling is harder during the day than at night. So many people would have traveled at night. So stopping along that journey wouldn't have been a problem. So let's say you got a friend and he's been traveling and he stops. The day is done, the food is eaten, the bread that you got for that day is gone. And now you have an issue, okay? Understand, you've got an issue because your issue is hospitality, don't take this lightly. Hospitality was a big deal for their culture. And we as Southerners, right, we know about hospitality. Some of you, you love to be hospitable. This is something we value highly here. It's a whole nother level there. For someone to come to the house and not have something to give them was disrespectful. It was rude. Like it was a horrible thing. And so the listeners would have known, okay, this guy is in a predicament. Is he going to be a terrible host or is he going to be a terrible friend, right? Like, is he going to be a terrible host and not give food or is he going to wake up his friend in the middle of the night? And so we see in the story that he chooses the second. He's going to wake up his friend. Now, also in order to understand the story, you've got a picture what the house is, the, the door he's knocking on, okay? So we go on Zillow, and we see the houses. These are not going to be your typical three and two, all right? 
You go on Zillow, you know what, the, you know what you're selling? Any realtors in the room, what you're selling is it's a one-in-one one most of the time, right? We've got a one-in-one one situation. We've got one room, one bath. This is what we've got for life. So you know what that means? You know what that means? The parents and the kids would have all slept in the same room. The parents and the kids are probably sleeping on the same floor. The parents and the kids are probably sleeping on the same mat. This is what we've got. So you, now you've got someone coming to the house, knocking on the door, and dad is ticked. Why is dad ticked? You're waking up my wife. You're waking up my kids. You're going to get me in trouble. Amen, dads? Come on, like this is, this, this is not a good thing. He wants to be left alone. Get this, he doesn't want to be bothered. But Jesus is making a point in this, that the person was shameless, had the audacity to keep knocking and knocking until something would happen. Get this, he's shameless because he has an urgent need that has to be taken care of. It wasn't just like, Hey, knock, knock, I need some biscuits, bro. Like, I need, I need I'm hungry. This is bigger than this. I have an issue because I need to have something available for this person that stopped at night or it's very disrespectful. And so the man is supposed to get up and help him. And Jesus ends the story and says, yeah, he's going to get up and help you, not because he's your friend, because you're shameless, because you're bold, because you're coming at it and not stopping. You won't leave them alone. And so what does Jesus do? He takes this story, okay, and he compares it to who God is. He wants to get a picture of who God is, right? So he takes this story. He's like, okay, this is one way people act, and here's the other way that God acts. And he's like, listen, I'm not like that man. If you come ask and seek and knock, I will always respond. I will give you what you need. I think Jesus is saying, don't worry about coming to my house at night. Don't worry about knocking on my door. I want you to come to me. I want you to be bold. I want you to be persistent. I want you to be urgent. I want you to come to my house when you need something. I am not this man I'm not bothered when you come. I am ready. You need bread? I've got bread. You need something with your life to be provided? I want to be the one to give that to you. I will not say no. If earthly fathers know how to give good gifts and they're, they're sinners, they, are, they, they have faults, imagine how much more that I will give to you. I'm not that person. And I think, as I read this, Jesus is trying to change their prayer culture. He's trying to change how the disciples go about prayer. And I think Jesus wants the prayer culture to be built on trust, on boldness, and on consistency. As I read this story, I see he's trying to change, I think, how they pray. And these prayers need to be built on trust, on boldness, and on consistency. Do you see this? Trust me, I'll always open the door. Trust me, I will always answer the door. Don't worry about when or how you come. Just come in boldness. And don't look anywhere else. Ask and seek and knock. 
maybe I can be the first and most consistent person that you come to in life. Jesus wants us to trust him. He wants us to come bold and come consistently. See, he's changing their prayer relationship with their God. He's wanting to give them a new way they can approach a prayer relationship. What I love about Jesus, he doesn't just tell them. He's not like, just you do this. He's like, I, I do it too. That's what Luke is trying to get across here, is listen, Jesus does this all the time. This is how Jesus operates. This is what keeps Jesus going. And teach us how to pray. Okay, if you want to pray, pray like this. Here are some words. Here are some bullet points. But don't just stop on, on what you're going to say and how you go. I want you to have a mindset of how you approach me. See, you go to him because he's your father. He can be trusted. You go to him because he's your father, which means you can come to him with the boldness as a child and request anything. You, you, you come to him consistently because guess what? He is never bothered. This is the comparing and contrasting of the parable to the kingdom of God. And so they teach him, they ask him how to pray, and he's like, here's the words. He believed this would change them from people who recited prayers to people who would connect with God. He believed these words would transform them from just saying prayers to a distant God to saying prayers to an intimate God, one that is like God a loving father. Jesus gives these parables so he can teach us. Jesus gives these parables so that we can have something change in our lives. He doesn't say these things to give us information. He gives us these stories to transform a part of our lives. And the question I have is then why don't we have powerful prayer lives? Why do we struggle with connecting with God relationally so many times? And I think about it, I think, Maybe it's because we underestimate the character of God. Could that be ever, ever be said of you? We underestimate the character of God. We underestimate how loving he is. We underestimate how willing he is. We underestimate the invitation. We underestimate his ability. We underestimate his promises. Could it ever be said that we underestimate the character of God, that he will be exactly who he says he will be? Because I think if we totally understood who God was and his character, we would come running to him first. We would come running to him fast. But maybe that's not it. Maybe you understand that God is great and powerful and loving and good. Maybe it's not we underestimate the character of God. Maybe it's that we overvalue our own importance. Could that be said of you? See, whatever we turn to in times of needs reveals what or who we think is best to handle the situation. And when prayer is not our first go-to, it reveals something about us. And maybe we shouldn't say we trust God completely when our first move isn't to do this. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, this is a struggle I have. I'm not going to stand on this platform and be like, you should do this because I found that I am perfect in this walk. I'm not. My first move is not always to go boldly before God. Present my need to him. Oftentimes when something comes, you know, my first move is, okay, Scott, you figure things out before. It's time to figure out. You're a 40-year-old man. Let's figure this out. You've got to get this, right? Like, this is how I can be. I have to believe you are in the same boat as me sometimes in your life. 
Maybe some of you are a little bit better, some of you a little worse. We're all in the same boat, aren't we? That I can often overvalue my significance in meeting my needs in my life. See, I think when we come boldly and lay everything at the feet of God, we're saying, hey, you're more important than me in trying to figure out this issue. Our lack of prayer reveals how we think of ourselves and how we think of God. Once again, maybe that's not you. Maybe you don't underestimate the character of God. Maybe you don't overestimate yourself importance. Maybe it's simply this. We have an underdeveloped life of discipline. You know what I'm good at? I'm pretty good at. I'm pretty good at running to God when things are a mess. I'm pretty good at running to God when things are a mess. You know what I sometimes struggle with? Consistently building a deep and dynamic relationship every single day coming and just saying, this is what I do. I meet with you, God. Could it ever be said of our lives that our relationship with God is built on traumatic, chaotic, and 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 and, and just experiences that we feel are too big for us. Could it ever be said that this is what our life, we really boil down a relationship is, God, I come to you when I am lost and stuck and have no other options. I get it. I understand it because sometimes I fall in that trap. I'm like, Scott, why are you doing this? I also know this, that God wants more of us than when we're stressed. God wants more of us than when just when we're stressed. He wants to come to him every day for every basic need in our life. And I thought about this when I was in Israel a couple years ago. I tell you about the trip we had and then the one coming up in 2022. We're walking down Jerusalem and we stop at this bread shop. Bread, I don't, it's just like a little store. I actually got a picture of it. I think you can see a picture up here. Um, maybe, maybe not. Um, there it is. We went in there, and as we're eating the bread, people are coming in and out, coming in and out, coming in and out, getting their bread for the day. The bread for the day. This is the thing that got me, was it's not the bread for the week, it's the bread for the day. Like this idea of getting stocked up groceries is just not how they operate. Back then or even now, they come in every day. And this is what I picture. Imagine the relationship that people have with this guy because they see him every day as they come in to get the bread in and out, in and out. Good morning, could I get my bread for the day? And I think about this and I experience this and I'm like, is this just the picture that I'm supposed to have with Jesus? I have a discipline of coming to get my bread every day. Like we're standing there tasting it and enjoying it. People coming in and out going, this is... The picture of what Jesus wants for us, a disciplined life, just coming every day, coming for what we need. In my experience, when I'm living a disciplined prayer life, it makes a lot easier to come to God when I have stressful, chaotic moments because the relationship is already built. And so as I read this parable, I just want to ask you a question, like, do you trust the character of God? Do you trust the character of God? Do you sometimes overestimate your importance like I do? How is your disciplined life in prayer and relationship with God? Let's go back to Amber and myself. When I met Amber, it obviously wasn't the best start. My bad, right? Like this one's on me. But you know what? She still gave me a chance that second time in that second week. 
And over time, we obviously fell in love and we're still together. We're 19 years this October and the relationship is still growing. But it didn't start out very well. Something didn't click and I begin to think about us. How's your relationship with God right now? How have you grown into this? Do you, from the very beginning, you just click and you're just in rhythm or maybe you've done some stupid things and you're like, I want to tell you that's okay. Maybe you said, because you don't know what to say, so just your life, you've, it's, just, it's kind of been a mess. You've kind of started out on the wrong foot. That's okay. I've been there. You may not have realized the importance of prayer. And so you haven't put a lot of time in. I get it. It's okay. But I guess my prayer coming into this this morning is we see another parable of Jesus. And he's speaking about this relationship that he wants to have with us. And maybe something stirred inside of us. Maybe something would stir inside of us to say, maybe I need to give prayer another try. Maybe I should try having a more intimate, deep relationship with God that just didn't click the first time. But maybe we look at Luke chapter 11. Okay, here's, here's a rhythm for how I can pray. But not only just a rhythm for how I can pray, it's the why that Jesus looks at us and he's like, this is who God wants to be in your life. He wants to be this amazing, loving, good, all the time there for you, Father. He wants to be the one that, to, to provide for you. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to come bold to him like a child asking for anything. He wants you to be consistently connecting him. And maybe this is the secret to a healthy relationship. It doesn't matter how you begin. Maybe it's just how you end. And so I don't know where you are. But I don't encourage you. There's more. There's relationship that you haven't had before. H hear me. Wherever you are today, I don't care where you are in relationship with God, there is more. And so he's saying to the disciples, I need you to look at me differently than you've looked at God. I need you to give a different picture of God. And some of us in this room, we have been, we've heard about prayer a lot in our life, right? Right? We've heard a lot about prayer. The words maybe aren't the issue. It's the why is it so important. The why is so important is because you've got a father. Maybe not, you haven't had a great experience with a father on earth, but maybe you have. But this is better than any father you can imagine. This is the ideal loving father. He says, listen, come to me. I want you to come to me. I've got everything you need right here. You think you get good gifts on this earth. Come to me. There's more waiting. I got you. So I don't know what you're going through now. This may be a chaotic time. Go to God in the chaos. Maybe for other people, you're an okay season. Go to God in the okay season. He wants to be more to you. He wants you to be more to him. He wants there to be something grown here that, wow, this isn't just prayers to a distant God. This is prayers, relationship to an intimate God. And so maybe this week, you'll give it a try. You'll pull out Luke chapter 11. Maybe you do run down these bullet points that I gave you. But maybe it will be with a new mindset of who's on the receiving end. 
and how this can be life-changing. Now, normally we end our service in worship. We're not gonna do that today. I just wanted to speak a prayer over you as we end today. Speak a prayer over you that maybe the Holy Spirit would just kind of tug at something and this week would be the beginning for some of us to be in a relationship with God that we haven't had before because God goes from distant to close. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, I thank you that even when our relationship hasn't always clicked, you're there to give us second chances and third chances and fourth chances and so on. I thank you, God, that you are an amazing, loving Father who just wants to be in relationship with us. And I thank you that Jesus brings these stories and shares with us so that we know that there's more that can be there. We, we can be more than just reciting prayers, more than just going to church, more than just being in a small group, more than just saying we're a Christian, but we can have a relationship with a Father in, our Father in heaven who loves us deeply and is, will get, provide everything we need in life. God, help us to trust you. God, there's a lack of trust in this room because of what has happened. Will you build our trust? God, help us to come boldly to you. For anybody who doesn't feel like God today, that they have the right to come to you shamelessly asking you for anything. God, will you let us know that's what you want? And God, will you help us to come to you consistently? Will you put into our minds in the morning and at night, during the day, God, just to take moments to share with you? Speaking to, hearing from, just building a relationship. God, for so many people, this is foreign. It's foreign territory. So God, may you walk us down this path and make it very real to us. God, I pray that One Hope be a place where people find real, deep, intimate, dynamic relationships with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.